Reading, short and deep. Hi, I'm Jesse. And I'm Eric. And today we're reading short and deep The Lake by Edgar Allan Poe, a uh, wonderful poem first published in Tamerlane and other poems in 1827. Not published under uh, Poe's name at that time. It was published under the author name A Bostonian, which I guess he was at one time. (laughs) Right. Um, I think we should read the poem and then... um, and then discuss it because it's one of my favorites to read uh, aloud. I really enjoy it. So I, I hope you will indulge me here. I'd love to hear it. The Lake. In youth's spring, it was my lot to haunt of the wide earth a spot, the which I could not love the less, so lovely was the loneliness of a wild lake with black rock bound and the tall pines that towered around. But when the night had thrown her pall upon that spot as upon all, and the while and the wind would pass my this is the part I always get stuck in, and the wind would pass me by in its still melody, my infant spirit would awake to the terror of the lone lake. Yet that terror was not fright, but a tremulous delight, and a feeling undefined, springing from a darkened mind. Death was in that poisoned wave, and in its gulf a fitting grave, for him who thence could solace bring to his dark imagining, whose wild-ring thoughts could even make an Eden of that dim lake. Yeah. I think I read it a little bit too fast, but I love unpacking it. Every time I get a chance to do this with some students, to unpack every every sentence, every line, and every sound, it's just a wonderful poem. I think what happens in the reading of some poems, and Poe, for I, I, this happens a lot with Poe, the the structure of the of the the grammar and the sounds of the words suggest one kind of reading in terms of rhythm and intonation that actually plays against the thematics of the poem. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that makes poems rich is the sense of that tension. Um, I think in this particular poem, the allure of death, the the notion that one can somehow get back to a paradisal place, a paradisiacal place, um, by giving up on life, sort of is intention against the exuberance of the rhythm and intonation of the, the words. So it begins, mm-hmm. in youth's spring, it was my lot to haunt of the wide earth a spot. And if you read it that way, the way I just did, as opposed to the way you did, um, mm-hmm. I think one still hears the underlying tension, uh, which would have been in, in youth spring, it was my lot to haunt of the wide earth a spot. Well, mm-hmm. that's sort of the, the way the words want you to go. But if you think about the meanings of the words, they want you to go another way. So there is sort of a, a two levels of messaging going on 
in Poe's poetry. And I think that's part of what makes it so powerful. Mm-hmm. And it's just beautiful to read, right? Uh, the, 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 the sound of the words. This is why everybody loves the raven as well, right? It's, it's the sound of the words, the certain sad and certain rustling, right? Sort of that goes on. And here we've got the, that, the witch I could not love the less. So lovely was the loneliness. The, all those L sounds. It's just, it's like, how can anyone do that? It's so great. That's true. One of the things that I think also makes his poetry great is that when you listen, as you are clearly doing, Jesse, and as I think Poe's readers ought to always do by reading it aloud, because his work is so mellifluous, though the, the, the consonants, the, the, the moving of those L's, the, could not love the less, so lovely was the loneliness. I mean, there's six prominent L's in those two lines. That's, mm-hmm. that, that L's are called liquid uh, sounds for a good reason, the way they come out off your word. Uh, there is ambiguity buried into each one of them. If you mm-hmm. were not reading the poem, but in fact were hearing it slowly, then those first two and a half lines would go, in youth spring it was my lot to haunt of the wide earth a spot, the witch. It's mm. a W-I-T-C-H witch until you get some it. more of the words, right? And coming right after the word haunt, which of course does mean to come repeatedly to the same place, but it also means to have a, a spirit come to the same place. Uh, it's a ghost, right? There's a foreshadowing of death here in the mm-hmm. haunt. The notion of youth's spring suggests that, well, in youth spring, it was my lot. Well, where am I now in my life? Me, the speaker of this poem. Once I was young. Now I am not, you know, youth spring. And then what about youth's fall? Or what about the winter or the fall? That is my lot. And the word lot, after all, can mean, um, a big bunch of stuff. You know, this is what filled my life. It was my lot. But the word lot also is the root for the word lottery. And it mm-hmm. means fortune. It was what fell to my lot. Um, so it just happened that I had no choice to haunt of the wide earth one tiny place, um, the which I could not love the less. And then, you know, this witch, you know, who, who, this, this, this evil woman, perhaps, or this malevolent, this malevolent woman. Um, I love that phrase. I could not love the less because mm-hmm. it means two things. Right. When I, I ran into this fellow the other day and I said, how are you? And he said, I can't complain. And I said, yeah, I'm not allowed to either. <laughs> and, you know, um, when it says I could not love the less, does that mean I couldn't love it less because it was so unlovable mm-hmm. or I couldn't help but love it as much as I did because how could one not give as much love as possible to this place? There's that incredible tension built in to so many of the individual words and phrases in this poem, just as there is that tension between the sort of uh, daily sense of the rhythm and intonation against a thematically informed reading of those very same words. That tension is what we take through life, I think, Poe is suggesting when he says, in youth's spring, 
This is all that happened. And yet clearly I am no longer in youth's spring. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think that's so great. Uh, we get the water right in the first line, right? The, a spring is also water coming up out of the earth. And we get the sense that this lake is, you know, just coming up out of the earth, isolated. There's no river flowing into it, right? It's bound by a black rocks. It's a wild lake. It doesn't follow the rules of the other lakes almost. But then when you say, I, I could not love the less, there's a semicolon. So lovely was the loneliness. And this is a tension we've seen in another uh, piece by Poe, which um, is about a, a lake, right? Yeah. Um, uh, the island of the Fae, where you get the sense that how can you go out into nature and appreciate it with as a as an individual alone? Don't you appreciate it more when you're walking with someone? Well, he says he haunted this place, right? It was so lovely in the loneliness. He could not love it less. Well, uh, it's almost like he's under a spell of that witch. It is indeed. Uh, and I, frankly, on a second and third reading, I've become more and more convinced of the utility of seeing one of the possible ways of reading this as a poem about Eros and its uh, its fatal power over the speaker. Mm-hmm. So that that witch is definitely not a warlock. This is a this is a female witch. Mm-hmm. Uh, that phrase so lovely was the loneliness again has more than one meaning. It's it's not I mean when you you point to the loneliness in order to suggest that the speaker who is recounting what life was like for him starting in his youth, um, that the speaker was alone. But the grammar actually allows us equally well to suggest that the lake was alone. Mm-hmm. It was so lovely in its loneliness, right? So lovely was the loneliness of a wild lake. Well, what that might mean if one were to think of the witch condemning him to have to go back again and again to this one spot in the wide earth is that he wants to somehow join with this lake. He wants to enter to the the world of this lake. I would go further and suggest the lake is a, a female symbol. Um, and he can't because it is unto itself. It is not domesticated. It is wild. Mm-hmm. And so one could read that line again two ways that he's lonely, but it's a lovely loneliness because it's a loneliness in contemplation of the lake, which is lonely because it is alone, not because it feels the lack of a, of his presence. I love I love the, the, the we've just only talked about the first sentence in this poem, but I actually I think the next sentence is even better. But before we go on to that, Jesse, I just uh, lest lest you or anyone who may be listening to us think that I'm entirely crazy. Um, I'd like to just go to those last two lines of that the description of that lake again for a minute. Sure. Um, of a wild lake with black rock bound. And the tall pines that towered around. Okay, now, if if we're willing to just indulge for a moment a psychosexual reading, the the wild lake is a place into which one could plunge. It's undomesticated. It's surrounded by black rock. 
if you you can think of whatever is you know a sort of a walling in um, and tall pines tower all around which if you wanted to be literal you could think of as pubic hair <laughs> and I'm not suggesting that you need to do that not at all but I would point out that in Descent into the Maelstrom, a very famous story by Poe, we get a man whose ship is caught by a maelstrom and he looks down into it and he sees that this sucking, sucking water that's bringing him to his death exposes at the bottom of this, this hole in the, the ocean rocks on which have been dashed to splinters pine trees Mm. Uh, so this image of attractive water that may be fatal to the individual uh, surrounded by something hard and yet uh, consuming the very pines around it pines being nominally evergreens but in fact they won't be green in descent into the maelstrom here we have someone where the man never does get to enter into it. So uh, that first stanza that we've been talking about so far, in youth spring, it was my lot to haunt of the wild. He's already a ghost. He yeah. he can't really have a full life because he's just attracted again and again in his lonely way to this lonely spot. He's caught at the base of these towers. Indeed. That's, that's, I hope, my way of suggesting, okay, now I'd love to hear what you have to say about the next stanza. Sure. Um, I, I, I think the, the metaphor for this next line and, and the whole next stanza, which is, is quite long, um, but I'll just read the part that I, I just think is wonderful. But when the night had thrown her pall upon that spot as upon all, that sense that Night, capital N, night, is a being who can throw a, a covering, a cloak, a, uh, a pall, right? The covering over a coffin. It's, it's interestingly, um, not being a, by any stretch of the imagination a, a confirmed Catholic, I would point out that the pall is also the name of the piece of cloth that's used to cover the chalice that holds the wine during mass before you open it and allow the wine to be drunk. So a pall we think of as a shroud, but if, if this is my blood drink of it means that the, the corpse has yielded eternal life, that's equally covered by a pall. But uh, it's it's the pall is it, when it covers that spot upon that spot as upon all. This makes us not just look down at the lake anymore, right? This makes us look at at the sky. And as the earth turns away from the sun, night throws her pall upon that spot, and as she does upon all, not just this side that it's on currently. But the entire earth, right? This is the sense of the, the same sort of sense we get in the island of the Fae, that the turning around is is either the the turning of the earth or the orbiting of the planet around the sun. In either case, 
it's time passing and inevitably night being death, right? Absolutely. But when the night had thrown her pall upon that spot as upon all, and the wind would pass me by. This is very strange and very interesting. In its still melody. Yes. What does this mean? It's so interesting. How can the wind pass him by? Well, of course it would. It wouldn't go through him unless he was a ghost, right? Um, but um, a wind that creates a still melody, still is the opposite of you know passing by the movement. It's that oxymoron we still we see in uh, so lovely was the loneliness, the contra- the contrast between the the thing that's possible and the things that is the opposite. I agree. The, the, the still melody can be unpacked. I mean, I, your, your reading of it, of course, is the, the pronunciation is what one would sort of be drawn to do out loud unless one wanted to hear the tension between pass me by and melody, which maybe mm-hmm. Poe had in mind. But the word still uh, has lots of meanings. Um, still can mean yet. Since we've just seen mm-hmm. that the, the pall that extends over that spot extends over all. I mean, the human condition is mortality. We're all moving toward death. Maybe it's mm-hmm. still the melody. That's the one single line of music that runs through our lives. Also, still is the opposite of alive, as in the phrase, the still and the, the, uh, the, still and the quick, the, 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 the non-moving and the alive, the dead and the alive. So a still melody can be the melody of the dead. And I also think, although the timing of this is not right, I mean, uh, uh, Keats only 10 years earlier has published the Ode on a Grecian Urn, in which he talks about how melodies heard are sweet, but those unheard are sweeter still. Um, And maybe this still melody is part of what attracts the speaker, and we'll see what that attraction is, or we did already as you read through the poem the first time. So we get all these doubled things, mm-hmm. and it continues in that very stanza. My infant spirit would awake. The word infant not only means young, right? So it's even before his youth's spring, but infant etymologically means without speech. Right. That's that's why the Infante is the the prince of uh, uh, in in Spanish royalty, because you may not speak as the royalty. You can speak as a human being, but you don't get to speak ex cathedra until you actually ascend the throne. Infant means without speech. And his infant spirit would awake to the terror Mm -hmm. of that lone lake, that one and no other. It's death that awakens him. It's so it's so interesting in in the the timing of when is this story taking place. Um, in Youth Spring, it was my lot to haunt the wider the spot, and then in this stanza, but when the night had thrown past tense her pall upon that spot as upon all, and the wood wind would pass me by, in its still melody, my infant spirit would awake to the terror of that lone lake. That we get the sense that he's it's his his childhood spirit who's coming out to haunt the lake at night. Yes. Yes. It's an iter- it's an iterative uh, mood for the, for the verb. It's, you know, I go shopping on Tuesdays. Mm-hmm. It's not just a thing that happened. It's something that happens again and again and again. That's what his youth was like to keep going back to that attractive 
lake that he never could join with. He was alone and it was alone. It was wild and undomesticated. Mm-hmm. It's so it's so good. I I just it's so rich that you you can spend time thinking about well how how does a still melody think? Uh, how does a how does a still melody work? Is it continuous? Right, that wind is always blowing every night, and of course, the wind is intimately tied with the movement of the sun and the movement of the earth in away from the sun. Right, the Air is always rushing to fill the, the cold spaces or to rush away from the heated spaces. So it's a continue. It's this is a forever haunting, right? It is indeed. Uh, and in some sense, all of these terms are foreshadowing uh, because his lot, his fortune, his fate mm-hmm. um, is is ultimately to be dead. He's a human being, as we all are. And. Mm-hmm. When wind passes you by, you expire. Mm-hmm. That's that's exactly what the word means. The, it means the air has gone out of you. All right. So, yeah. in, but if if the gods favor you, you inspire, and the spirit goes into you. So when he talks about the still melody, right, the wind has passed him by. His infant spirit would awake. Okay, but. But it's a spirit that awakens to death because it's the wind passing him by to the terror of that lonely lake. But but as the next stanza tells us, and please pick it up, what kind of terror is that? The terror was not fright, but a tremulous delight and a feeling undefined springing from a darkened mind. This is where we start to say, well, how did he end up dead exactly? And what does this tremulous delight that's another oxymoron you've got two two feelings that don't you know tremulous that comes from from fear or from cold right actually etymologically tremulous and terror come from the same proto-indo-european root of tress um terror means to tremble and mm-hmm. tremulous means to tremble so a tremulous delight could be sort of I'm, I'm sure you've seen little kids who get so excited about something mm-hmm. that their whole bodies shake. Um, I think for an adult, tremulous delight may be, seem oxymoronic, but maybe for an infant spirit, it's not. What what Poe is doing is turning the 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 normal daily understanding of the word terror back into its deeper roots that. We are just trembling with the delight, uh, which we might feel, by the way, um, watching a good horror movie. And then it says that this feeling, which he doesn't define, right, a feeling undefined, springing from a darkened mind. Well, that was in the first line, youth's spring. You asked, where does this come from, this death? It comes from himself. Yep. You know, uh, there's a line in uh, in Butler's uh Erewhon that says that birth is a capital offense, the uh, the execution of which can be exacted at any moment after its commission. Right. And so he springs up as a youth, and by that springing, when he awakens, he has a darkened mind. The pall that is set by, as you say, the earth rotating is also 
appall that happens because one's mind becomes darkened by the recognition mm-hmm. of one's always aging, which is appalling. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think that the, the, the line ring, reading springing from a darkened mind echoes back to the beginning, right, in Youth Spring. Um, and this, this is the, uh, the reading I prefer and the reading that my students seem to like um, is that this is this feeling undefined, right? Why is it undefined? Is it because uh, we don't have a word for it? Or is it because if we say the word, people will become upset? And he, the narrator, says, oh, it's a terrible, it, it's a lake of terror. It was lonely. And I was not afraid. It was not fright, but rather a tremulous delight. Well, that tremulous, the, the fear, the shaking, or the cold shaking, is, I think, explained by the next line, which reads, Death was in that poisoned wave, and in its gulf a fitting grave. So, how can death be in the poisoned wave unless the lake is poisoned? If the lake is poisoned... Does that mean like there was an industrial, you know, effluent coming? No, it's springing out of the earth there. And in fact, the only and best way to read, I think, the waves being poisoned is that he drowns himself. Or whoever's telling the story drowns him or herself. Death was in that poisoned wave and in its gulf a fitting grave for him who thence could solace, and I love that word, solace bring to his dark imagining, that feeling undefined, right? Mm -hmm. Springing from a darkened mind, he says, it would be better to make an Eden in that dim lake, right? The the book I first encountered this in had a, a story, it was a children's book of Poe poems, which I think is wonderful because, <laughs> because this is a story of suicide, I think. And it doesn't say that in the book. But what it does say is that um, it's said that uh, when Poe was young, he visited a, uh, a lake called the – he visited a lake in the Dismal Swamp. And that it was said that that lake was haunted by um, a young woman who uh, drowned if Poe's responding to this, this is the perfect thing for Poe, right? He loves beautiful dead women. And <laughs> yes, he does. How to how how best to how best to meet that woman uh, is to spend time around her lake, right? And well, you know, springing from a darkened mind, a feeling undefined. It's not terror; it's a tremulous delight. Death is in that poisoned wave. And in its gulf, a fitting grave, a proper grave for him who thence could solace, S-O-L-A-C-E, or S-O-U-L-E-S-S, bring to his dark imagining, whose wildering, as in bewildering thoughts, wild, crazy thoughts, could even make an Eden of that dim lake. He's making that pact with the witch finally come true. He was haunted by it from youth spring, right? And every time he goes there at night, his infant spirit awakes. 
And it's a beautiful, beautiful, I, I think it's a beautiful, beautiful poem about suicide, which I is think, horrible, but I wonderful. Think, I, I, I agree. Um, I get to it slightly differently um, mm-hmm. by putting a lot of weight on that word Eden. So that, that last stanza, let me read it again, but I, I'd like you to keep in mind that that level of reading that I'm suggesting in which the the speaker cannot quite get to this attractive female lake. Um, but, but it, what poisoned this lake? What was the poisoned wave? What poisoned it? Um, if one thinks of the story of the fall, right? You know, Adam and Eve are perfectly fine. They're living there, right? Then they get knowledge and they know their nakedness and immediately, you know, their sexuality. And that is what casts them out, right? Now, the idea of being able to go back, well, you can't go back through joining with the woman, Mr. Speaking Voice, um, because, in fact, the witch has consigned you to only being able to see it and not not actually join with it. So death was in that poisoned wave and in its gulf, a fitting grave. That is, it's the right size and it's appropriate for him who thence could solace bring to his dark imagining. He could bring his own solace, his own help to his own dark imagining, which is what created this darkness and the pall to begin with by going into the lake whose wildering thought could even make an Eden of that dim lake. This suicide will bring him back before thoughts of sexuality. This suicide is desirable because it, in fact, releases him from having to always haunt that one spot where he sees this lake. The lake is what attracts him. And allowing himself to die into it is what will give him eternal bliss. Dead, but eternal. But there's always more to say. 